Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Now, I haven't preached at a Sunday night in a while. So give me one minute to just reintroduce myself to those of you who might not know me. My name's Alyssa. And um, I am on team here at Horizon Church. I get to serve our youth, our young adults, our young professionals, the best ever. And um, the other thing that you really need to know about me is that I am, and you're going to be sick of hearing it from my husband and I, but we are newly dog parents. And you've got to know that this is a miracle, okay? So Jackson gets up and it's like, oh, ha, 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 he's passionate about everything. But me, I have, now don't judge me, but I have never been an animal person. And so, whoa, okay, I said, don't judge me, guys. We've got a long night ahead of us and I've got a lot to share with you, so we've got to be friends. And um, so I, my heart softens when this beautiful, furry, labradoodle maverick moor came into our lives. And I just think it's so cute. He's got um, a food allergy at the moment, pray for him. Um, And we had to pick up medication for him at the vet. And the medication's like maverick, comma, I'm sorry, more, comma, maverick. And I'm like, he's just actually our family. He has our last name. Um, so I'm a full-blown dog mum. But having him as a puppy really put my kid timeline back. Um, it'll be another five, six years now. So um, we've got maverick for the time being. The other thing you need to know about me is I am the second born, I'm the youngest in my family. Now, well, I was born the youngest. Mid-teens, you know, other siblings came along, but by that time, the damage had been done. I was born and bred a youngest. And is there anyone in the building here who is also a youngest sibling? The anointed ones, yes. Okay, that's what I'm talking about, because, now, now, now I wanna speak to the stereotypes here, I wanna speak to them, because I wanna acknowledge to all the firstborns in the room, all the middle children in the room, but especially the firstborns. We understand, us youngest, we understand that you were born into responsibility. We understand that yes, stereotypically we were babied. I can acknowledge that. We can all probably acknowledge that, yes. But I just need you firstborns to also understand that we as the youngest, we were also born into responsibility. The responsibility to start the party and bring the fun. And so I understand you've got responsibility, but so do we. And so you can't hate us for that, okay? We're gonna bring what we can to the table, you bring what you can. Yes, we get babied, but we're also so fun, right, youngest in the room? Yes. And so um, my sister and I growing up, she was the oldest, I was the youngest, um, until siblings came along later, but for most of our childhood, she was the oldest, I was the youngest. And um, we were really the stereotypical pair. Um, I was the youngest, obsessed sister, wanted to do everything that my older sister did, and she did not want to buy of me. Absolutely thought I was so annoying and just needed space to breathe. And I was an extrovert, she was an introvert, and I just always wanted to be friends with her friends so badly. I mean, I'm just here to love on the people. I don't care who you are or where you're from. I want to be your friend, you know? I was just a lover. My sister, obviously, she was a hater. And she would have her friends over to come and hang and play. And I'd be like, party time. Thanks for bringing me new friends. And my sister would be like, get out of my space. And so I'd be like, what you doing? You know, I'd come over and... 
I mean, it wasn't my fault. Her friends did start to like me. And so they'd be like, no, Chelsea, it's fine, it's fine. And she'd be looking at me like, because, you know, you can't really rage in front of your friends. And so she'd look at me like, Alyssa, remember what we talked about? (laughs) Out you get. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, Chelsea. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is so much fun, guys. You having fun? I'm having fun. And um, there was this one time where I really pushed her over the edge. She had just made new friends. I think she was probably, yeah, newly in high school because I was still in primary school then. And um, I was a bit of a horse girl and I loved, I had a collection of My Little Ponies that was honestly just a sight to behold. And I'm talking eighth wonder of the world, this collection of My Little Ponies. And I had them all displayed in my room. They were gorgeous, a rainbow, all different colours, just beautiful. And um, I really pushed my sister too far one time. And I walked into my room after we'd all had a great time with her friends, in my opinion. And I opened the door. And if there was a soundtrack, it would have been... As I opened the door, and I see a massacre of My Little Ponies. I know. Guys, I just felt so seen then. Thank you. There was, I mean, beheaded ponies everywhere. There were just colourful manes, hair covering my bed quilt, just absolutely everywhere, all over my room. And I was just absolutely gutted. And I was so sad and I was so hurt. And I did absolutely nothing. I took the high road because that is what, that's the kind of character I have. But then, a little while later, my mum decided to leave us at home for the first time together. Yes, yes, you can see where this is going. Now, what she did was wrong. What I did was much more worse. And I need to ask for your forgiveness from the beginning. Um, And I need to let you know, everyone in the room, I learnt and I got my consequences, okay? I really, I got my consequences. But what a recurring thing for my sister and I was that her being the oldest, she always thought that, like, she could play mum, you know. If mum was around, then she'd be like, you should do this and you should do that. And I'd be like, all right, mum, you know. And so, um, again, my, my problem. That's a me thing. And so um, we were left home alone and my sister is like, Alyssa, you need to take out the rubbish. And I was like, no, I don't. We have a small window of time with mum not here. Let's party. And she was like, Alyssa, you need to take out the rubbish. And I was like, no, I don't. And there was still feelings brewing from the My Little Ponies. And um, so I went to take the rubbish out and she just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And I was low on the fruits of the spirit that day. And she kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And so I walked out our side gate and I was taking the rubbish out and she follows me and she decides to just push that one last little bit. I was doing the job. But she walks out and she looks at me and she goes, good girl. Again, what she said was wrong. What I did was worse. And so she walks. There's like, we've got a landing of stairs out our back room, out, our, out, out the back at Camden where we grew up, born and bred. Um, and she walked down underneath like the landing of the side of our house and she wanted me to take the rubbish out. So I hold the rubbish bag over the landing and I go, Chelsea, or should I say mom? And she looks up and I let go of the rubbish bag. 
a full rubbish bag. It hits my sister and she goes out cold. And in that moment, I genuinely thought I had killed my sister. And mum wasn't home and I run down and I start freaking out. She comes to within two seconds, but I already had mum on the phone. And let me tell you, it was not my sister who was dead, it was me. I was absolutely so toast when my mum got home. I got in so much trouble. I learnt my lesson. I've never done anything like that again. And I have since grown, but I'm still a party starter. Don't worry, that never left, that never left. But the reason why I know I can share these stories is because a lot of us in the room wouldn't be judging because I know that you yourself would have very similar, if not crazier, stories of you and your family, right? Because family is wild and unique and amazing and crazy and sometimes very hard. And I do really feel that in this season of uncommon love, as we're coming around this notion, as we're letting the Spirit stir us up about reaching the lost, about seeing those at the cafe, our neighbours, our community saved, set free. I do feel that sometimes it can be a lot easier to put our sole focus on reaching the randoms and the strangers and the neighbours and those at the cafe rather than it is to get in the dirt and to get our hope stirred and say, Lord God, save my family. And sometimes it can be so hard to love, to show uncommon love and to have faith for our family. But I feel a stirring of the Spirit that we're gonna be the group of believers that say, enemy, you cannot have hold over my family. Enemy, you cannot win. Enemy, your plans will not pervade over my family. But I am standing strong and I'm saying, use me in my family. I will show uncommon love in my family. I will see my family saved and set free and living in the freedom that only comes through salvation. And I do believe that in this season of uncommon love, yes, let the Spirit stir us up for everyone out there. But I do think it's time that we as Horizon Church, we be the group of believers that say we're committed, we are called, and we are anointed to see our family saved and set free and living in the freedom of salvation. The greatest part about it is that God gets it. God gets family and He gets the sacrifice involved. I've got a big, huge, lengthy scripture for you that we're going to break down and theologize. No, I don't. I have one of the greatest scriptures in all of history. John 3.16. John 3.16 says, For God, sorry for all of those who are really excited and got your glasses out and highlighters ready to go. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the greatest act of uncommon love that has ever been displayed in all of human history. And He did it within the context of a family relationship. This was such a sacrifice. God sending His Son, Jesus. God sending His Son to die on the cross so that you and I could be called His family. God understands family. He understands family and sacrifice go hand in hand. He understands uncommon love and sacrifice go hand in hand. And He said that He's done it all already. He's done the finished work so that we can go into our families with hope, with faith, with anointing to see them saved because He gets it and He's given us the grace for it. 
For God so loved the world, for God so loved your family that He made the ultimate sacrifice so that even though it's hard, because it is hard to show uncommon love at times to our unsaved family members, the family members who mock you for going to church, the family members who scoff, the family members who bring up at Christmas, is that phase over yet? The family members who are hard-hearted, the family members who have convinced you that they'll tolerate it, but it'll never be them. It can be hard to show them uncommon love. And so what we can start to do as believers in our families, when we've got a cousin or a brother or a sister or um, an auntie or uncle or a grandma or grandparent or a daughter's partner, what we can start to do as believers is we can start to create a list of reasons. The longer we're in our family and the closer we see them up close, we can start to create a list of reasons of why they're written off for salvation, of why it won't be them. And we can do this with the best of intentions. It's to protect our heart. But what we're doing as believers is we're deciding who can and can't be saved. And we come up with this list of reasons. They're rude, they're mean, they mock, they don't get it, they're hard-hearted, they've already decided, they've told me that it'll never be them, they're done. And yet the very list of reasons, the very list of reasons of why we think that they're written off for salvation forever, why it will never be them, is the very list of reasons, church, that we need to get on our knees and we need to pray over our families and we need to ask God, use me to show them your love. It's the very list of reasons. And a lot of the times we can see all these symptoms and get discouraged. We can see the symptoms of this sickness in our family members and we can say, That's why they're written off. I know for me, with a family member, I started to see this family member make more and more hard and detrimental life decisions. And the way it crushed me, the way it broke my heart, seeing this family member making these decisions and going further and further and further and further away from the love of God and the way I love this family member. And so what I did with the best of intentions, was I just got okay with it'll never be them. It'll just never be them. It'll never be them that I worship with. It'll never be them that I pray with. It'll never be them that I get to talk about the goodness of God over lunch with. It'll never be them. And I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit one day as I was sitting there. I was starting not to be able to sleep. I was starting to just get really caught up on just how hard it was in the life of this family member and how it just meant that they were just, it was written now. They're just, they're gone. And I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, no, it's time now to have faith more than ever. These symptoms of the sickness are 
calling out saying, I need salvation. These symptoms that we think write them off, these symptoms, there's one answer for it all. You don't need to get your family member this solution or that solution. You don't need to try fix this or my family's so dysfunctional, I've got to fix that before they'll get to Jesus. No, the answer is salvation. You want wholeness in your family. The answer is salvation. You want to see your family functioning well. Get them to the feet of Jesus. And so every single morning for two weeks, I took communion over this family member and I refused to see these decisions as anything else than she's gonna get saved because she's crying out for it. But this thing can happen, it can start to happen. And I'll actually get the keys up right now. But this thing can happen where we... You come to a service like this and you hear a word like this and you get really um, stirred and excited and hopeful to see salvation in your family, in that family member. And then you leave and a month goes by and you're still praying. And two months goes by and you're still trying. And a year goes by and two years and three years And years and years can go by. And you find yourself in a place that Proverbs talks about, Proverbs 13, verse 12. And it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, hope is actually a gift from God to strengthen us in our faith. We as believers, hope is our superpower. Hoping God means that we can press in in a hopeless situation. It means that no matter what the circumstances look like or what the life decisions of that person looks like or what they're saying, we know we can hold on to hope and pray and believe and have faith. And yet we can constantly find ourselves in this position of hope deferred and a heart sick. And we can get discouraged. And we can be tempted to give up again. And again, from a place of getting through and surviving, we can say, okay, well, I'll just be okay with it won't be them. But if we flip this verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We think, okay, well, I'll stop hoping. I'll stop hoping and I'll protect my heart. But if we flip this verse, hope advanced makes the heart well. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope advanced makes the heart well. Sometimes the enemy lies to us and tells us, okay, now back off. Okay, now you gotta stop hoping now. You gotta be realistic. If that word starts to come into your heart or spirit about your family, I want you to come back to this verse. I want you to come back to Isaiah 40 verse 31 that says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow tired. Hope is there to strengthen us. Hope is there, it's a God-given gift so that we can come again and say, God, I can see it. You're gonna save my family. God, I can see it. My cousin will know you. God, I can see it. The 
mental illness will drop. God, I can see it, the addiction will drop. It's hope. The answer isn't to stop hoping. The answer is to hope again and again and again and again and to hope in the Lord and to get your strength from the Lord. It's hope. Hebrews, but God has given us this hope as an anchor for our souls. Anchor yourself to the hope. Anchor yourself to the hope that God is a good God, that He is a real and alive and living God and that He cares more about your family than you do and that He wants to see your family come to know Him more than you do. He wants to see your family whole and functional and living in their calling more than you do. Cling to the hope. Let it anchor you. Go again. Hope again. It's a gift from God. And I believe tonight, God wants to give us a new infilling of hope for our families. I believe tonight He's gonna give you a picture of your family member that you've been praying for or your family member that you've been too scared to keep praying for. I believe tonight He's gonna give you a picture of them saying yes, of them worshipping with you, of them driving to church with you, of you coming home and them saying, guess what I read in the Bible today? He's gonna give you a picture. One of the people that I've most learnt the power of hoping again from in this area specifically is one of our youth leaders from the age of 10, when she was in youth herself, she had such a hunger to see people saved. She's like, how can I bring up God at parties? How can I get friends to youth? She was just so excited and full of the Spirit and just wanting to see it. But her home situation was hard. Bringing up God, had lots of complications attached to it. There was lots of brokenness, there was a lot of heartache, a lot of fights. Home life was hard. She used to have leaders drop her home and say things to her like, one day you'll love going home, I can see it. And she couldn't even imagine it. She couldn't even fathom it. I will never love walking into this home. And then as she got older, she became a leader herself and she started to feel God impress on her heart, drop in her spirit that it's time to pray for your family. She had three siblings and she felt more than ever God drop, it's time to pray for this sibling specifically. And so she started to pray. She would come to the altar again and again and again. It would be for something else entirely. It wouldn't be a preach like this. It would be a preach for something else and she would come down and the leader would come over and say, what can we pray for? And she would say, my family. What can I pray for? She would say, my sister. What can I pray for? She would say, salvation for my siblings. It didn't matter what the altar call was, she was here and she was praying again and again and again. And then there'd be a year where she'd be discouraged, but then another year where she would come down again and again and again. And there was one time where 
she came down and I was able to pray with her. And as we started to pray out, we prayed out a picture of her worshipping. I saw it right here, her worshipping beside her siblings, namely two of her sisters. And we prayed the picture out and we declared it. And for the next year, she prayed like never before for this sibling. And no matter what the sibling's thoughts were or ideas were or how hard she came at her, whenever there was a fight or something would go on, this youth leader would walk in with worship music into her room and say, this helps me, I'm just gonna let it play. It didn't matter what the reaction was from the sister, she would just walk in with worship music. And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. Didn't see any movement, didn't see any victory, but she hoped again and she hoped again and she hoped again for years. And then two years ago, she did what she does around a lot of big events in our church and she invited her family to come to Easter Sunday with her. And here in this building in our church, her family heard the message of God's love. And for whatever reason on this Sunday, her two sisters heard it and felt it like never before. And when the salvation call went out at the end of the night, if that's you and you wanna give your life to Jesus, if you wanna say yes, two hands went up. And then in this very foyer out here, she sat there holding the hands of her sisters, sitting around one of the cafe tables in the foyer as she helped lead them in the salvation prayer to say yes to Jesus. And then a year later, one of the sisters is getting baptised and so the whole family comes. And I don't know if you've been here at a water baptism night, it's amazing and so special. And when we've got one coming up, you're gonna be so excited because there's just an anointing. But all the family come down and they gather around the baptismal pool so that they can get the photos and see it all. And so my favourite kind of spot, don't steal it please, but my favourite spot for my viewing is up on the stairs over here where I can see it all. And, and so I'm standing there on this baptism Sunday and as this sister that the leader had been praying for for a year specifically, as she went under the waters of baptism, I looked over and I saw the picture that we'd prayed out that day on that altar call. I saw her siblings with their arms all around each other, holding on to their mum, arms lifted in worship, weeping at the goodness of God. Another six months on from that, She's got three siblings, this is two. They're already saying, we can't believe the goodness of God. They go to Raman after the service and talk about how good God is and sit around, sitting there going, did we ever think it would be us? This is impossible. These are the last conversations we thought we'd be having. Six months later, out of nowhere, the third sibling reaches out to her and says, yo, what time is church tonight? And that night he came and he lifted his hand and he said yes to Jesus. That is a whole family now living out their salvation because of one person saying, I will hope again, even though it's hard, even though there's sacrifice, 
even though it's, it can kill sometimes, I will hope again. I will come down again. I will get a picture. I will get a scripture. I will anchor myself to the hope of who God is. And I will hold on to hope for my family because of one leader, because of one person. She did it for her family. Is their family perfect? No. But are they whole? Are they living in wholeness? But this isn't just for her family, it's for yours too. God wants to bring wholeness to your family through salvation. Would you all stand? Tonight, tonight is the night. The walls of Jericho, they marched around seven times and then the walls came down. They didn't stop on the sixth because they were tired. They didn't stop on the sixth because they were done. They didn't stop on the sixth because they hadn't seen the walls come down yet. They went around again and went for a seventh time and the walls came down. Maybe you've responded to an old call like this 58 times, but maybe the 59th is just what you need. Maybe you need to come down and hope again. Maybe God's saying, do it again, do it again. Renew your hope, renew your strength in me. Place your hope in me. So right now, if that's you, if you need to get a picture tonight, if you need to get a picture tonight to hold on to, to hope for your family. And it's okay if you feel like you don't have the strength, a leader will pray with you. If you need to get a picture, I want you to come right now. Come down the front, come down the front, come down the front right now. There's a picture of hope for your family. There's generational curses to be broken. There's addiction to be broken. There's mental illnesses to fall. I actually feel as well that tonight there's some people responding and you've given up because your brother or sister, they have a um, misguided view of God and they think that if God can't love me because I'm gay, then I can't say yes to that God. A misguided view of God. And tonight God's gonna give you a picture of hope, of hope for them, them understanding the true love of God, them understanding the true love of God for that cousin that laughs at you, for that person that teases you. Tonight, I want you to get a picture. Is it driving in the car to church with them? Is it talking to them on the phone about the goodness of God? Tonight, there's a picture of hope. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your hands? If you're down the front, lift your hands in surrender. Holy Spirit, right now, we thank You, Lord God, that we are committed, called, anointed, to see salvation in our family members. We will see wholeness in our family. We will see, Lord God, Your will be done. Lord God, there is no more impossibility. Lord God, we will not let discouragement have hold. No, Jesus, we say we will hope again. We will go again. So Jesus, right now, drop a picture. Give us a Scripture. Lord God, something to hold on to. Lord God, Your hope would rise, Your hope would rise, Your hope would rise. Thank You, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.